What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right. So today on the show, by the way, welcome to New York Real Estate Show. Greg Hellbeck here with Michael Pinter. We're going to talk about the ins and outs on the New York real estate contract. Before we get started, though, we are not attorneys. This is not legal advice. So the best takeaway you can get from the show before we even get started is to get a good real estate attorney, because if you don't have one, you're fucked. <laughs> Would you agree, Michael? Absolutely. One thousand percent. I mean, we could do a whole show just on stories of where our attorney saved our ass or where other attorneys made some stupid mistake that made us money. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so you got to get a good attorney, but we're going to give you guys the ins and the outs on, on you know, what to look out for, what, what, what does the process look like and, and how you can sometimes get these contracts in your favor, even though it's a lot easier to do this in other areas. But if you know what you're doing, you listen to the show, it'll definitely help you out. So Michael, I want you to just start off with Let's talk about the basic difference between the, the New York contract and how the, the contract process works versus the other areas. And then we'll get into kind of the weeds from there. Right. So the there's a huge difference between the way a real estate transaction and a contract takes place in New York versus the other 49 states. In the other 49 states, a real estate transaction takes place between a buyer and a seller. So a buyer and a seller agree on a price. The buyer usually whips out a contract, has a seller sign it, may or may not even give a deposit or may give a deposit and the seller doesn't, doesn't even cash it, it. doesn't yeah. cash a check. That's common. Um, and it's usually some minuscule amount, like 50 bucks, 10 bucks, $5, a dollar. Um, and then you're in contract. So it's super easy to get into contract. Um, and it's also super easy to get out of contract, which we'll talk, we could, we've spoken about before. In New York, when a buyer and seller agree, the transaction really takes place between a seller's attorney and a buyer's attorney. Seller's attorney generates a contract. It's usually a standard contract. It's, pretty long for, you know, 10, 11 pages, plus a writer and an addendum. And there's a lot of boilerplate language in there, which is designed to uh, protect the seller mostly because yeah. it's, it's coming from the seller's attorney. And, and then the buyer's attorney looks at it and is going to start negotiating and both trying to earn uh, their exorbitant legal fees, sometimes over stupidity and sometimes over important things, but they, they're going to negotiate that. Now, now the, each one of them is going to be in touch with their client about these issues. So for example, a seller's attorney will send the contract to my attorney and it won't be, you know, they'll say it's not assignable, right? Clause 26 in a New York state contract says no assignability. My attorney will go, Hey, it's not assignable. What do we need to do? I say it needs to be assignable, right? Cause I want the right to assign it. And then he'll go back to the seller and say, once it's assignable. Now I'm taking out the fact that I've already had a conversation with the seller about that, but the seller's attorney is going to call his client and say, "Hey, this guy wants it assignable. Is that okay with you?" In which case, he'll probably say, "I don't." You know, if I didn't, if I didn't have a discussion with him, he may say, "I don't even know what the hell you're talking about." But some attorneys will go, "Oh, this guy might flip the contract." Ah. But um, that's what takes place. So they're going to go back and forth, and that and that it usually does not take a day or two. That can take a week or two. Sometimes even more than a month. That's a long, stupid process, and none of that happens outside of New York. It's like you're instantly in contract. 
Yeah. But the what the the only thing that's important here is that in most contracts in 49 states, there is an inspection contingency or some kind of other contingency clause that allows the buyer to exit the contract for the first seven days, 14 days, 30 days. In New York, there's almost never an inspection contingency on a residential contract. It happens very commonly on a commercial contract because you have to look at the leases and you have to look at all kinds of, um, you know, if, the, if you have anchor, if you have major tenants, you want to look at their financial viability, all that crap. It's typical. And of the bigger the deal, like a billion dollar deal, they might have six months of due diligence on a tiny little um, uh, mixed use property. It might be a, a two weeks of due diligence or a week. But on most residential contracts in New York, there is no due diligence and no inspection contingency. So the way it works in New York is when you agree on a price, the buyer then does an inspection immediately then before he's in contract, you know, they, they're spending the $300. And if there are any repairs that he feels needs to be done, they're going to just add that into the contract in New York. So when you and I go into contract in New York, we have no, we have no contingencies. We have to either assign the contract or we have to close. Those are our only uh, options and and what but what it does in if you think about it and it's a little bit different is it sets us apart from standard retail buyers because we are certain to get give them the money that we agree on and on a regular seller to buyer contract in New York there's going to be something called a mortgage contingency which allows the buyer to get out of the contract if he gets denied for his mortgage and I was in the mortgage business for 17 years and I can tell you it's really a get out of contract free card you can use that so there are plenty of sellers out there who have been burned by that. And when a, 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 they'll sell to a cash buyers for less money than they might get if they listed it, because they know that there's certainty that we provide, because we're, we're definitely going to have to give them the money that we agree on that, that we're, we're going to, they're going to get that money from us. There's, we have no way out of the contract unless there's a title problem. Yeah, no. And that's, you made a lot of good points there because that is where, you know, a lot of sellers and new investors just, they get tripped up because they, they look at a contract, a 10 page, boilerplate contract drafted by some attorney who has an extreme legal fee and they get overwhelmed and they think if they sign the contract they're going to get shot if they don't close or something crazy like that so the biggest thing i would say when it comes to doing this systematically and not getting overwhelmed is number one you need to understand that in your worst case scenario in new york state okay depending on what earnest money you put down if shit hits the fan and you don't want to close or you can't close the only downside for you as a buyer is you have to be willing to lose the earnest money deposit worst case scenario. That's it. You can't get sued or anything like that. Not legal advice, but I mean, that that's the ultimate downside, correct? You're a hundred percent right. It's, the, it's funny because as a buyer, your, your liability is limited to whatever deposit you agreed on and gave. Oh, and by the way, in New York, the contract, you're not considered in contract until the earnest money deposit actually hits the seller's clear. attorney's account, right? You have to wire it or the check has to clear. So if they bounce a check, and I've had people bounce checks, I mean, most of the time by accident, um, technically you can get out of the contract and just say goodbye. Um, but your liability is limited to that. But as a seller, if you don't want to sell to a buyer that you're in contract to in New York, they can sue you for specific performance for the entire purchase price. So you really, as a buyer, you have a, you have a very strong advantage, right? I have a deal, the guy just called me, I have a deal going on now where the, a couple of uh, violations and permits showed up that they didn't know about. Now I'm in contract and I technically they cannot deliver the property to me uh, with clear title, but I don't have to let, it, let them out of the contract. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of negotiating for a price reduction at this point because I have to now deal with the municipality that I don't want to deal with. Um, so, but I have the upper hand, right? Cause he can't just walk away from the contract. Can't, he can't get out. 
and I can keep him in contract for as long as I want, but I don't technically have to close. So there is a process where he can get out. If I won't perform, he can put me in time of the essence and say, you know, we can't provide title. You can get out. But, but, I, but I pretty much have the upper hand because I have time to figure out what's going on. There's a tenant in there. I think I'm going to go talk to the tenant finally and see if there's something I want to close on and see how big of a price reduction I want because of the title problems. You mentioned something earlier. That's an interesting story. What if someone's brand new to this and you just said time of the essence, I know what that is. You know what that is. What, okay. what the heck is time of the essence? It sounds like a magic play or something. like so, that. So as I said, there's a, it's super easy to get into contract in 49 States. It's also super easy to get out of contract. Basically you call the guy and go, I'm out of contract. And, um, you know, there are ways as a buyer to protect yourself. You can record the contract in some cases. That doesn't do shit. I tried that in Texas and I, I got- You can record an affidavit of contract. You can, you can record a memorandum of contract. In some cases, that'll help you, but it's not ironclad. But in New York, oh. while it's a bitch to get into contract, there's no way out. So, But the way out of a contract, and people don't understand this, and I can't tell you how many real estate attorneys don't understand this either because they very rarely have any conflict in the contract process. Basically, if you are a- buyer if, if you're one party to the contract you can then send the other party a time of the essence letter which says listen we're ready and willing to close you have 30 days to perform so it's typically done to a buyer by a seller saying why aren't you buying my house we're putting you in time of the essence toe and you have to do it 30 days what a lot of people who don't know what they're doing is they try to do it sooner like the honor about date is december 15th on December 1st, they'll send them a 15-day time of the essence letter. You can easily reject it and just say, it must be 30 days. But once that 30 days lapses, at that point, um, as a, let's first take from the seller's perspective. If, you, if a seller sends a time of the essence letter to a buyer and the buyer does not close and the buyer says, I'm not closing, the, the seller can then, does have grounds to get out of contract and can move to to take the deposit. It's, it's not so simple. It's not, it's not a magic thing where the deposit so just goes to the seller. You have to, both parties have to agree. And once in a while you get an attorney who will agree, but you really shouldn't. Yeah. Um, but that, that's now the other way the buyer can put the seller in time. This, but the, it's very hard to actually force a seller to sell you a property. I have a situation now where I'm, I'm actually listing and the seller is just very, very difficult. And I told the buyer to put them in time of the essence. I don't think it did anything. But you're trying to, you basically, time of the essence is telling the other party, I want to perform, right? If I'm a buyer, I want you to sell it to me. If I'm a seller, I want you to buy it for me. And that's really the only legal grounds to get out of contract is first using a time of the essence letter. Or if there's a title issue, then you can just move to say, listen, I cannot, you can't provide good title to me because I'm a buyer, or I can't provide good title to you on the seller. And then have both parties agree to get out of the contract. It's not a one, it's not a unilateral thing where one party decides, I, I, sorry, I, I found something better. You need, you need to, you need, there's a legal process to get out of contract in New York. Yeah. And that has saved my butt a few times because I've done some stupid stuff and, and I've gotten into contract and I've had sellers try to, to cancel on me. And before we file the list pendants, his attorney was like, the seller's attorney was like, this guy is not going to, go down you have to close and magically the next week we end up closing the deal because the thing is in new york and that's this is why i really like new york well there's many reasons but one of the reasons is like because attorneys are viewed from other gurus around the country as deal killers in my opinion when you know what you're doing and you understand how this process works the attorneys are actually deal keepers if you really if you think about it like really deeply 
how many times has an attorney saved your ass where you almost got just destroyed and too many, to count. too many to count oh my god yeah we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast at that point we'd probably be flipping right. fucking news on e-commerce at this point right. yeah you know? so so what i've said many times is that if you're a buyer in new york and a seller decides sorry i don't want to sell to you you can do two things that are you just can't do in other places number one is you can file a list pendants on the property which is the same as if you were a lender and a mortgage uh you were foreclosing on a mortgage which means he will never sell the property to anybody else until you uh, remove the list pendants. That's number one. Number two is you can sue him for the entire purchase price and you'll, you will win. Now, when I say that to people, they go, well, how does a seller know that? And the answer is because the seller's attorney is going to tell them that, right? So I've had situations, you've had situations where a seller calls and says, I'm out of here or I need another $20,000. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get upset at all. I just say, listen, speak to your attorney. And then, and then I always get an answer that day, that day, the next day, two days later saying, you know, when can we close? Because there's no way out. There's just no legal way out in New York. And it's a huge, huge advantage of New York that I never even understood. You know, when people would tell me when I would go to like Investor Field, the mastermind that we're part of, and people would say, well, I have to, re I have to be careful. I have to record my contracts to make sure the guy sells to me. I, I don't understand what they were talking about because I didn't really understand how real estate was done in other states but we, we sort of take for granted some of the advantages of new york because sellers aren't getting out of contract if you don't want it to no i had this happen in texas one time we got a spanking deal under contract and uh the seller got pissed and, and sold it to another buyer and i was like causing problems i was like telling the buyer i'm like go away and, and he's like well and I, I, they ended up giving me a thousand dollars and i had their contract recorded and i was like all right whatever but um right <laughs> So just to, just to, just to reiterate, so in other states, when you record the contract or an affidavit of contract, oh, or contract the idea is that you cloud title, but you're assuming that the, the new title company, if the guy tries to sell somebody else, is going to actually contact you. Some don't, and yep. even if they do, and you say I was going to make twenty thousand dollars on the deal, give me fifteen, and the guy doesn't want to do that, the new buyer, then the house will just sit there and nobody will, you know, it's yeah. not going to get sold to anyone. So. Yeah. So there's a lot of ifs with that. I mean, it's it's a, it's probably good practice to do that because yeah. it can help you in certain situations, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. No. And it, the title company, sometimes I, I've had this happen in Texas too, where some title companies are shady and they don't give a shit because it's like the wild west out there. Like there's literally no rules in Texas in real estate. It's great. You can like sign a napkin and have a mansion. It, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Seller finance and do a wraparound, you know, which right. we'll talk about that in another podcast, but yeah, it's it's really you don't feel secure until you have the money in your bank. But in New York, like when I get a banging deal under contract, like I'm like, I'm gonna buy this, you know, this is gonna work out, you know. But um another thing in New York that's different, and I think this is really important to mention on our show, is and then we're gonna share a couple case studies and then we'll wrap at the end of the show. But um, you know, the typical contract is such a boilerplate, typical bullshit contract that you know you'd fall asleep reading. When you want to put anything in the contract, when your attorney wants to put anything in the contract. You don't just like change contracts. You have to use this thing called a rider. I want you to explain to the, the audience what that is because that rider is where you have all your leverage if you want your terms and conditions. And I can talk about after you explain what sure. I like in these riders and what some of our friends do. The rider goes after the contract, but but riders supersede any of the language in the contract. So for example, I've had situations where I, I, I explained to the seller I needed a signable. And the guy left clause 26 in the contract, but he put a rider that said a uh, contract can be assignable. And that's okay, because if they sign, a, if both parties sign the rider, that supersedes the contract. And the rider is usually a bunch of things. And some attorneys have standard a dozen, 20 things they'll put in every rider. 
right? Yeah. Based on their experiences, right? So some, you know, some guy had a problem with the washing machine and he'll put something in there that says a uh, seller represents that the washing machine works and something stupid like that. Um, so the rider really is just, it's sort of an addendum. It goes after the contract, but in New York law, and I think in law, all the states, but I'm not sure, it supersedes whatever's in the contract. So it's really important to read the riders. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I would say, if, if you're, if you're trying to get a contract in your favor as the, as the buyer is I like to do these three things in the rider. I'll generally try to push for the assignment. If they don't want an assignment, I will, if it's a good enough deal, I'll just, I don't care. Um, the biggest thing I look for is the deposit. I, I like to put $5,000 or less down when I can usually anywhere from a thousand to five grand. That that's you. I mean, sometimes I have to put more down, but most of the time I can get away with 5k or less. Usually it's like one or two grand, 2,500. Um, that has to go in the rider. And I've actually started to do this somewhat successfully um, as of recent. So maybe this would work for you out in Long Island is if the seller is okay with it. And this, this is very, this, like I said, it's starting to work, but has not worked in the past is I'll actually get away. This is more in the rural areas in upstate New York with a 14 business day inspection period. And I've pulled that off a few times this year in a rider that the attorney was okay with, which essentially was a get out of jail free card. Um, and that, that has to go in a rider because that's never going to be in a regular contract. So, and the, I'll, I'll tell people when you should do this. So if you have a deal that's like borderline, you don't know if it's really a deal and you want to try to either buy it yourself by doing some homework and paying an inspector or whatever, or if you want to just try to wholesale it and you're up front with a seller about that, it's a topic for another day. You get this rider in there if the attorney approves and like i said most of them won't but some of these upstate hillbillies will and um <laughs> you basically can get in the contract you still have to put a deposit down but that rider can technically be a get out of jail free card i actually have friend you you know these people we'll mention this offline they have in their contract not legal advice by the way they have the ability to put it on the mls they have the ability to market it for a fee aka wholesale so they have the crazy rider in there and they get away with it most times. And uh, it really opened my eyes up to like some of the deals I get into where I have to just take them down. So have you seen that on Long Island? I mean, it, that doesn't really happen that much probably by you. I really don't see it by me. And most of the guys, I mean, I can't, I, I, I haven't found a situation where I can get away with it, with that low of a deposit by me where, you know, they're always, they're always asking for 10% and I'm offering 10 to, 10 to 20,000. Um, and I can't get away usually of the inspect with that, with that inspection contingency The people are, because the seller's attorney looks at it and goes, why the hell am I, why the hell am I spending my precious time on something where the guy can just walk away in 10 days? Yeah. That's where, I, that's where I've gotten. I've tried it. It, it hasn't worked for me. Yeah. And this is more upstate. I'm talking like Ulster County, you know, teeth are optional kind of areas, you know, where like, you know, this, the purchase price is like a hundred thousand. You're like, all right, like. I always tell us, this, this is how I frame it. I actually just did this twice this week on a, one was in Jersey. The other one was, I think, Connecticut. But I was like, here's the deal, seller. If you want X price, I can potentially give you X price. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm in a need of 10 day, 10, I'm always clear, 10 business days upon contract signing, period, where I can take some inspectors there if I want, potentially take a couple buyers there and potentially sell this to another buyer and make a profit. Would you be okay with that? And some of them actually say yes. And that way, you know, they, they kind of know what I'm doing. And that's worked a few times this year on deals that I wouldn't have closed on otherwise. But um, I mean, if you're, if you're in Suffolk County, Nassau County, that's going to be a little hard. Westchester County, good luck. It's hard. Uh, it's hard. But yeah, yeah, 
Ulster County where the population's like three and they're all their cousins, you know, they're, they're usually like, yeah, I'm just Sonic, you know? <laughs> um, all right, less, so, less, less sophisticated. <laughs> yes, to say the least. I mean, you know, every time we get a deal in Westchester, I'm just like, oh gosh, here we go again. You got, you know, very big $40,000 EMD. <laughs> oh yeah, because the ARVs there are like 700. So like, I, I understand that, you know, and even 700, 700 is like a, is like the slums of Westchester. Well, yeah, it depends where you are. Yeah, I mean, you, it's crazy. There's like houses in like Scarsdale and they're like $10 million. You know, it's nuts. For sure, for sure. Crazy. So here's a, I want to use a case study on something that's actually going on right now. It's not technically in contract, but it's, it's the story's Close. entertaining. Close. The story's entertaining and I think everyone will get some value, including yourself, Michael. So here's the deal. And I was waiting to say this on the air because it's, it's pretty crazy. All right, so- I bought a property just like you with a total knucklehead tenant, like idiot moron, hasn't paid, has money, isn't willing to pay. So I don't even feel bad for them. And I got a pretty good deal on it. It's a condo. It's actually in Rockland County. So it's in a pretty expensive area. I buy this thing with hard money and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to get these people out one way or the other, make them an offer. They don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. Their attorney engages me. Stop harassing my clients. I engage an attorney. We're like kind of going back and forth. There's a lot, there's two lawsuits going on with the previous owner, a judgment, uh, a judgment for back rent and then a, a warrant for eviction that it's obviously been gridlocked since COVID. So I'm thinking to myself, this is like two weeks ago. I'm like, all right, well, here's the deal. I'm going to have to wait till January 15th. Uh, well, I got to see what the law says. There's a court date in a couple of weeks, but basically I, if this court date works out in the old landlord's favor, I'm good to go and they can get out and their COVID claims will be denied and we'll get the sheriff in there eventually. If that doesn't go in my favor, I'm going to have to wait and do a proper eviction non-payment. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to wait. Okay. So this is, this is my mindset. And um, so, so two days ago, and this is like a whole, I'm not spiritual really, but this is like one of those universe things. So I was at a seller's house and they were so broke. They couldn't pay to even get the septic tank pumped out. And I'm, I'm like, I have interest in this property. Like I'm probably going to buy it. So they were like, well, we're taking $475 out of our savings account. It's like some of our last money to get the septic pumped out. And I'm like, that's, that's smart. You know? So I'm on the phone with them two days ago. And I'm like, here's the deal. I'm like, do you have Venmo? And she's like, yes. I'm like, I'm going to send you the money to get the septic pumped out. This is not a reciprocity play. Like I know you guys are in a tough spot. I'll help you out. It's all good. Hopefully I'll buy the house. But if I don't like this, here's my good deed to you. So I give her 475 on Venmo and she's all happy. So I get a call the next day, right? And this, you know, and we have like an inspection, uh, we have a septic inspection set up for this subject property. So like, we're just doing our homework to make sure it's a deal. So I get a call yesterday from an attorney. My, he calls my company. So he doesn't even call any of our marketing call. doesn't call, calls my company number, leaves a voicemail. And I'm like, I'm listening to it. And I'm like, oh God, it's an attorney. Oh my gosh, am I getting sued? Oh my God, you know, <laughs> usually they, they do it by the mail. So like, I'm thinking like, what's going on? So this, hey, I have someone who's interested in 164 Richard Court. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I call this guy right back and I'm like, hey, um, yeah, that's me. I'm the owner. How'd you find me by the way? Like what, you know, it's in the, all these LLCs. He's like, well, we did some homework. And he's like, I got a, a, a client who really wants a property in this condominium complex. They can't find anything. I know it's kind of creepy, but we found out that you own it. And we want to buy it. And I'm like, well, okay, well, do, do you understand that there's like a non-performing tenant in here? He's like, yeah, we know all that. We, we, we know exactly. I'm like, okay, this sounds like so I said. He said he wanted to be even with the tenant? Yes. Yeah. 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 And I, I tell this guy, I say, listen, I don't know you from Adam. You don't know me from Adam. I said, this sounds like a scam. 
and <laughs> like I don't know where, where like I, I don't know what to tell you. And he's like, well, you thought he was well, somebody that somebody that the tenant said. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking it's a scam or a lawsuit. I, I'm think I still have my guard up at this point. And he's like, well, they want the property. I said, okay, fair. He's like, what do you want to get rid of it for? And I, I offered, I'm like, I'm offering him a premium. I'm like, oh, I want 200 for it. And this is a, like a one bed condo. It's not Beverly Hills over here. And uh, they're like, what about 175? And I'm like, in my head, I'm, I'm like, hell yeah. What price, but, uh, what price are you in for? 115. It's a good, it's, a, you know, there's a spread there, you know, and we, we, there's no like, you know, it's not on the MLS or anything. So I'm like, oh, right, let me just call you back. So we end up settling on 180. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I don't know if this is a scam or not. This is the deal. This is all the terms and conditions. Here's the rider. This is exactly what I need in here. And if your client is satisfied, we'll sell it to you. So John sent the contract out and apparently they're signing in a couple of days. So if it works out, that'll be like the luckiest thing ever. But here's the point to that story. I was very clear with that attorney on the contract, the rider, everything in there needs to be spelled out to the letter because once you get into contract, once this guy gets into contract with me and every, if there was an error there, I'm at a disadvantage as a seller and he has me by the, you know what? So if you have crazy offers or you get lucky, sometimes you need to always review these contracts. Even if your attorney is getting paid, you know, $2,000, you still need to take at least 35 seconds. If you have that time available, people listening to make sure that everything in that contract is to your favor because it, once they sign that thing and you sign that thing, you're done. You cannot change that. So you have to get in that habit of reviewing those contracts because the last thing you want to do, especially as a seller, is sign a contract that could not be in your favor. I mean, have you had that happen like where you were the seller and you signed something and you're like, you ended up kind of being weird? Yeah. You want to hear something stupid that I did? I, I So sure, there was a period of time where my attorney... so. So the standard, the standard transaction from a seller to a buyer has language in it like that it's going to be delivered broom clean. Right? We go to a lot of properties. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We go to properties that are far from broom clean, and we make <laughs> it clear to the seller that they can leave whatever crap is there, and they don't have to broom clean it. Um, but when you assign a contract like that, the, the new buyer, the, new, the assignee takes your place. And if the seller is under the impression because you told them that they don't have to clean the stuff out, but the contract says you do. Oh, then the buyer comes to you and says, I I took your place. It's got to be broom clean. And the seller is telling you, I'm not getting it broom clean. So that's happened to me a few times where I screwed oh. it up. Oh. So I'm very clear now that um I don't want that language in my contracts because even on contracts where I thought I was gonna close. So if you're gonna close on that, you can then hold the seller and say, I'm not buying it until it's broom clean in theory. But if you had a conversation with the seller, you're gonna be a jerk at that point. But I don't want that language in there because if I assign it, I don't want the assignee, right, my cash buyer, coming back to me and going, I want you to deliver it the way the contract says. So it's something you got to be on top of. That happened to me, I think, twice. So What did you uh, end up doing? Hiring a bunch of guys to go yeah, clean it out? I had to clean. I had to clean. Yeah. yeah that, and that that's the little nuances, especially on the assignments and stuff where, like, you have to read them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't think I would be this knowledgeable on contracts because I, I don't consider myself a – a detailed contract person or an attorney by any means, but I've definitely, um, 
read my fair share of them now. So once you once you get burned, once you get burned like yeah. we have, you start realizing these little things that it's, it's worth spending a, a couple extra minutes to look, look it over. Yeah. <laughs> due diligence is uh, the key. I, I saw some Ben Franklin quote where it's like, the key to success is due diligence. And I'm like, man, that's so freaking true because I've done so much dumb shit like during due diligence where I just did. I was like, fuck, I just For sure. can't get out of this now. Um, <laughs> quick story real quick and then we'll wrap. So my buddy, um, not going to mention his name, you know who he is. He um, just did like a gut renovation, like sick, you know, H Tarek Al Musa style flip. And uh, I'm on the phone. We're actually going out tonight for Thanksgiving Eve. And I'm on the phone with this guy today. And he's like, he's like, uh, I was telling him, I'm like, Dev, I'm like, I, it was Devin. I'm like, listen, um, I'm like, dude, you got to get septic inspections. I said, dude, if you don't have like some sort of way, to, I'm like, you, you can just get washed out on these septic tanks. So he rehabs his house. Sells it. Doesn't get a septic inspection. Doesn't get didn't get a septic inspection. The septic tank is absolutely obliterated. Like this thing is like looks like a like a plumber's nightmare. And um, he's got to put a whole new septic system in now. The buyer walked away and it's gonna be like 30 grand. And I'm like, bro, I mean, you gotta freaking get it, at least get a uh when they go there with the camera just to know. So anyway, you got to do your homework on contracts, on properties, you know, riders. This is very, especially if you're sure. rehabbing, you have in to New know Jer- what you're doing. Yeah, no, for sure. If there's septic, you got to do an inspection. If it's in New Jersey, you got to do a tank inspection. Like there yeah. are things in, in every location, you got to you got to look look for the things that could be big ticket items. Because usually, if you do that before you buy the property, you can get a reduction from the seller on it. But if you if you don't spend the time to do that due diligence, then it's on it's all going to be on you. Like it's going to be all on, on you, on Devin. Preferably before you're in contract. I mean, I I get septic. I mean, I just did one where we before we signed it, I I spent spent four fit or four hundred, and I got a septic test because I'm like I cannot like really afford from a rehab perspective to have a septic be failing because that's going to basically eat away most of the profit. So. And by the way, it's it. it's disgusting. Also, like I almost bought a house once where literally the septic was backing up into the backyard. There's sewage back there, and I'm like to the and I'm like to the seller. Do you realize what's going on there? The seller was out of state. The seller it was a sibling living there, and he's like, I don't know, I have any idea. I go, this is like a twenty five thousand dollar surprise, and uh, yeah, it's gross. Septic is gross. It's really disgusting. <laughs> Cesspools are gross. Septic's gross. Most of my area is sewers, but I do I do do some septic areas. So yeah. it's you can't overlook that. It's too big, it's too, too big yeah. a ticket, too too high of a dollar amount to say I'm gonna I'm gonna hope it's okay. Yeah, and especially a retail buyer like that, they're not gonna negotiate. Like if the house is nice and there's a failing septic system, they don't care. They're not buying it. Like you're done. Like yeah. go fix it and move on. Because they would like not- their they would like their toilet to flush when they when they push the button. <laughs> anyway well i hope everyone got value from today i know they did if they uh want to get good at contracts so like i said in the beginning get a good attorney on your team if you want a good attorney in the hudson valley reach out to me if you want a good attorney in long island reach out to michael we know the best in the business and i hope everyone you know learned something today and we'll we'll talk to everyone on the next on the next episode and also if you're listening to this please leave a review share it online and uh, we'll talk to everyone soon